0: Acts chapter number 10. We have been covering salvation stories in the New Testament, and we're going to be covering this morning a sermon used by God. Acts chapter number 10. We're going to read our text, pray, and then try to get into this service. In Acts chapter number 10, we're going to begin our reading in verse number 34. The Bible says... Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be judge of quick and dead. To him gave give all the prophets witness, that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission Of sins. We're going to be covering this sermon today, the contents of this sermon that Peter preached to a man named Cornelius in Acts chapter number 10. And if you would, please pray with me this morning. Our Father in heaven, we ask you for your blessing about the preaching of your word. We pray, Lord, that you allow us to concentrate on what the scripture has to say. If there's anyone here today who is lost, Lord, we pray that you would draw them to yourself That they might be saved before it's eternally too late. And for those of us who are Christians, help us, Lord, to consider what you had done with Peter in this passage of Scripture. We pray and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. In this book, in Acts chapter number 10, we have had some wonderful things that have taken place uh, throughout this period of time. Understanding that the book of Acts is a transitional book. There are certain things that happen in the book of Acts that aren't particularly taking place anymore. We have the completed Word of God today. We have the Bible. This is how God will speak to you today. Now in this passage in Acts 10, we have God working through a dream and telling Peter in a dream what he wanted him to do. All I can tell you is, is that because God has completed this book He no longer needs to work uh, on you through the visions, trances, and dreams. Peter didn't have the blessing of being able to read the Bible. The Bible in the New Testament had not yet been written. But in this passage of Scripture, we have Peter. He was on the inner circle with the Lord. And we've been studying Peter the last several weeks on Wednesday nights. Peter was someone who dealt with a lot of failure in his life. At one time, Jesus called him Satan... For trying to hold him from going to the cross. You remember how it was Peter who began to sink as he was walking on water? Because he was walking toward the Lord and the wind and the waves caught his attention. And when he saw them, the Bible said that he began to sink. It was Peter. At the end of Christ's life, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, I'll never deny you. He said, before the night's over, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And that very night, Peter denied Christ in such a way to where he was using curse words to get people to believe that he did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, God still had great plans for Peter. It was Peter who preached at Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2. And some 3,000 people were saved. The next chapter, there was a lame man that was healed when Peter said, silver and gold have I none but such as I have, give I thee. And he, he was able to pronounce a healing upon this man who was lame. And he was gloriously healed. And many other thousands of people were saved under the preaching of Peter. What I'm trying to say is this. God still uses sinners. God uses imperfect people. This church, in fact, Metropolitan Baptist Church, is filled with people. Even if you're the best church member we have, We are all sinners. We fall short. None of us are perfect. We have all needed to be saved by the grace of God. And Peter, of course, was no different. He was a preacher, but he was an imperfect preacher. In fact, even in this story, God is working on Peter to show him that Gentiles could be saved. You know, in Acts chapter number 10, it tells you the key players that were working here. Let's start reading in Acts 10 and verse number 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. See, he was somebody that would say, hey, forget about it. Italian. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now I want you to think about this. Who is Cornelius? He is a Roman soldier. He is not just any soldier. He's a centurion. Now guys, if you ever want to get into a position of leadership in any place, you have to start at at the low point. When I joined the military, I didn't join as a sergeant. I didn't join as a master sergeant. I had no stripes on my arm. I joined as what they called a private. You say, what's a... What's a private in the military? A private is nothing. And the drill sergeant will tell you that you are nothing. You are worthless. You are just a private. In order to get to a centurion level, you had to work through the ranks of the military and excel. Now you are a centurion and you are over 100 soldiers. To have the delegated 100 men under your control means that you are a man of discipline. That you were a man of honor. That you were a man who knew how to work under authority. And also the scripture says about this man, this Gentile, was that he was, in verse number 2, a devout man, and that he feared God with all his house. So it also said that he prayed all the time at the end of verse number 2. He was a religious man. It also said that a part of his religion was that he gave alms always. You see, in Bible times, just as they are, just as it is in this time, people were poor. And God wanted his people to be generous. Now, in this particular scene, this religious man did not know Jesus Christ. He had not been saved, but he was religious. And God began to work in his life. There was something that was missing from Cornelius' life. It was Jesus Christ. He was religious. He was a man of prayer. But he was lost. And he sees a vision come down in verse number 3, about the ninth hour of the day. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. An angel comes to him in verse number 4. And at the end of verse number 4, it says, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. In other words, God sees what you're doing. God has heard some of the prayers you've prayed. And now God has something for this man, Cornelius. And he says, You need to go and get this guy, Simon. Simon. In verse number five, and now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. In verse six, he lodges with someone, with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now in Acts chapter nine, in the last verse, perhaps six or seven verses above, Acts nine and forty-three you find that Simon Peter was lodging or staying with a man named Simon the tanner. Now when I say that you went to a tanner in this generation, young people, what comes to your mind? (laughs) Now this only goes for some of us. But what comes to many people's mind today is Simon was going to a tanning bed. Simon was not going to a tanning, or excuse me, Peter was not going to a tanning bed. A tanner in Bible times was actually a position of low estate. They would take animal hides. Simon dwelt by the seaside. They would use salt water to pour over the flesh of a dead animal. It would eat away at that. It was a stinky job. It was a low job. It was a job of low estate And these these hides would be used for many things, whether it be clothing, transporting liquids. You can do studies on what a tanner would do in Bible times, and you, you know that every major town had someone with the trade of being a tanner. And I'll just throw this in. I think every man in this room needs to study some kind of trade so you know how to do something of value for the society. So... We have Peter dwelling there. So Cornelius is praying. God sends him a vision, says you need to go and get Peter. Well, God's working on Peter at the same time too. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 10, that Peter, about the sixth hour in verse 9, Acts chapter 10 and verse 9, on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. The sixth hour is about 12 noon. So Peter is going on a rooftop to pray at about noon. And we know that he was Baptist because in verse number 10 it says that he was hungry at about noon. That means he was wanting to eat lunch, probably like some of you are thinking right now. What time is he going to be done? I'll be done sometime around the sixth hour. (laughs) The Bible says that Peter has a vision here. And he saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners, and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Now if you picture in your mind what is taking place here, God is trying to reveal something to Peter. The Jewish people had a very strict diet. They couldn't eat the same things that we eat. God had forbidden them in the Old Testament for eating certain animals. They couldn't eat shrimp. I don't know how they lived, but they did. They got through with it. You know what else they couldn't eat? They couldn't eat anything that came from a pig. They couldn't eat bacon. (sighs) I did not have breakfast this morning. But all I can tell you is, is that nothing speaks peace to my soul than the smell of bacon in the morning. Amen. That's good preaching. Now, there was a sheet that was let down from heaven... And the sheet had all manner of animals on it. Animals that Peter had never eaten. He had been a strict Jewish person. He'd never eaten anything like this before. And God was telling Peter, you can eat these now. Rise, kill and eat. Now Peter, he was arguing with the Lord. Not so, Lord. Listen, never a good idea to argue with the Lord. I personally am very thankful that one day and at a time pretty soon, I'm going to be enjoying bacon and putting it in the ministry. But Peter's arguing with the Lord, saying, I've never touched anything that's common or unclean. And so, three times in verse number 16, the Lord had showed him this vision. And the Bible even says that even after God showed him this vision three times, he was still doubting in himself in verse number 17. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry from Simon's house and stood before the gate and and called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, were lodged there. Now Peter's thinking about the vision in verse number 19. And God tells him, three people are seeking for you, Peter. Go with them and don't doubt anything. God's trying to get something through to Peter. Has God ever tried to get something through to you over and over and over again? Simon was kind of hard-headed. Now, I want you to understand where this was. Jesus had died a long time before. This is after Pentecost. This is after the stoning of Stephen and the scattering of the church. Peter, at this point in time, as of Acts chapter 10, still did not believe that Gentiles could be saved. Now, apparently he was missing the part in the Old Testament where Ruth got saved. Maybe he missed the part in the Old Testament in 2 Kings 5 that a Syrian soldier named Naaman got saved. You know, there were other Old Testament people who were not Jewish who were saved. Salvation is of the Jews, but it's not exclusively for the Jews. Salvation is for everyone. But Peter had a bigotry in his life. He was very exclusive. He believed that God was only dealing with the Jews, and God had to send this vision... And he had to send these men in order to convince Peter of something. And so they told Peter what was going on when he came with them. And Simon was basically, when, he got, when Peter got to Cornelius' house, they say, listen, Cornelius said, I was praying and God told me to send for you and we're all here waiting on you. And we read the sermon of Peter in verse number 34 today in our text. He preached a sermon to them. So point number one, Peter's first point when he began preaching to these Gentile people was this, who the gospel was intended for. Verse number 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now I want to say this be, without any fear or equivocation. I don't want to, I don't want to be uh, not clear or unclear in my speech. The gospel is for all people. It's not for white people only. It's not for black people only. It's not for Mexican people only. It's not for Australian people. It's not for African people and Canadian people only. The gospel is for all people. And the same gospel that saved me is the same gospel that will save you. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. Those who are preaching a social gospel today are doing a great disservice to the scriptures. The Lord died for all men. God is not a respecter of persons. It's for all men. It's for every creature. It's for every nation. It's for all ethnic backgrounds, all languages and skin colors. It is one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. In Mark sixteen fifteen, Jesus told his disciples, Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. Our church believes in every creature. On the back, we see this mission, an unfinished task with a picture of the world. This church has had the privilege to send forth missionaries. To try to get the Bible into the hands of people. People cannot be saved without Jesus Christ. And they cannot be saved without believing in the truths of the Bible. This is the foundation upon which everything we believe rests. It is the Bible. Luke 26 verses 46 and 47. Thus it is written. And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. In Matthew chapter number 28, what we know is the Great Commission, the Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Not just one nation. It's for every nation and every people and for all men. The Bible didn't say that God so loved the Jews. It said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, in verse number 36 Well, not only do we see point number one, for whom the gospel was intended. Number two, we see the fruit of the gospel. In verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, notice, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Salvation's not through Muhammad. Salvation's not through Allah. Yeah. Salvation is not through Joseph Smith, Martin Luther, or any other person who ever lived during the Protestant Reformation or before that. Salvation is by Jesus Christ and him alone. Yeah. Faith in Jesus Christ saves you, not faith in a man. All these men who claimed that they were a Messiah, they're dead and gone. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and the scripture makes it clear here. You have to believe in Jesus in order to get saved. Now, one thing that comes when you get saved is something called peace. I remember seeing a bumper sticker years ago. It said, N-O, Jesus, N-O, peace. So, no Jesus, no peace. Then underneath it, it said, K-N-O-W, Jesus, no Jesus. K-N-O-W, Jesus, no peace. If you know Jesus, you know peace. Now, if you have no peace in your heart, you say, How do I know if I have peace in your heart? What happens if you lay on a deathbed later on today, today, this very day? Let's say you get in a car wreck and you're still thinking and you're about to head out into eternity. And you know that you're going to go and face Christ. You're going to face God. The Bible says that every one of us is going to give an account of himself to God. You're not exempt from that. You say, I don't want to go to that judgment. You're going to get to that judgment. You're going to stand before God, like it or not. What's going to happen? If you're not saved, it's not going to be a good day for you. That, that's why we as preachers take the Bible and we encourage people in, to, be, to be saved by the grace of God. I remember the day that my, my soul was troubled. I had no peace with God. In fact, I knew that if I died, I would go to hell and I would deserve it. But I heard a preacher preaching about Jesus Christ. And he said that Jesus was willing to forgive me of every sin that I've ever committed. If I would but come to him and place my faith and trust in Christ... And I knelt down at an altar. I came at an invitation and I began to pray. And when I received Christ by faith, something hit my heart. It was called the peace that passeth all understanding. You know how it came? It came by Jesus Christ. It didn't come by my good works. It didn't come because I did anything right. It came because Jesus did it all for me and I put my faith and my trust in him. The fruit of the gospel is that he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. We covered that last week in John chapter 3 and verse 18. Also in this service that Peter was preaching, we find point number three. When the gospel began. When did the gospel begin? Now notice in verse number 37, where it says, That word I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee. After the baptism which John preached... You know which John this is talking about? It's not the John that wrote the Gospel of John. It was talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was preached about and prophesied about in the Old Testament. His job was to prepare the way for the Lord. You know how he prepared the way of the Lord? It wasn't through singing and song. Singing and songs are important. But it's far less important than the preaching of the Word of God. John the Baptist came out of the wilderness preaching. You can find it in Matthew 3 and verse number 1. John the Baptist came and he preached. He called people's attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he preached that Jesus was the only way. He preached that Jesus was the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And people came to John the Baptist and were baptized of him. They were dunked in water, picturing the death, the burial, and the resurrection. The gospel began with John the Baptist and it was published throughout all Judea. His, this preaching began at Galilee. John the Baptist preached of this baptism for the remission of sins and preached that Jesus was anointed of God. He was the Lamb of God, the perfect one. John the Baptist was the first gospel preacher. Now John the Baptist is a vital part of the gospel story you can't get away from him in fact jesus christ said that greater there wasn't a greater man born of woman than john the baptist he preached the truth he came into the country in luke three three and four it says and he came into all the country about jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for remission of sins as it is written in the book of Isaiah, the prophet the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the lord Make his path straight. That's exactly what John did. He was a man sent from God, and his name was John. He wasn't the light, but he bore witness of the light. And he pointed attention to Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Point number four in Peter's sermon, not just where the gospel began, but now he identifies the gospel itself. In, in Acts chapter number 10 In verse number 38, it says this, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Notice in verse 39 at the end of the verse, Whom they slew and hung on a tree, and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he was rose from the dead. This is the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Now if you have your Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it identifies the gospel again. If you would flip over just a few pages to the right if you have your Bible. Now if you don't have a Bible, you can see me, you can see Brother Daniel... One of the most handsome guys in this church without any hair? He'll get you a Bible so you could turn in your Bible and see for yourself what the Bible has to say. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verses three and four says this regarding the gospel. The Bible says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Why did Christ die? Notice verse three at the end of the verse how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. This is the first part of the gospel. Peter said, Him they slew and hanged on a tree. Have you ever heard, my friend, that Jesus was crucified some 2,000 years ago? It's as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. Why did Jesus die? He died because one day in time, you were going to be born and you too were going to commit sins. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. If there's anybody in the room today who would be so audacious as to say, I am not a sinner. Men have wicked thoughts. Men have terrible thoughts, thoughts of robbing people, thoughts of killing people. Thoughts of doing great harm to other people. Thoughts of intense selfishness. And it's not just men. Sometimes women have bad thoughts too. (laughs) Sins! Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. It's all the sins of all the world. You think of the worst sins that men are in jail for today. all, all, All of those sins are present before us today. We, even as God's people, could recognize there were times in our life when some unholy things passed through our hearts. I want to tell you something, sir. Jesus died for your sins, according to the scripture. Jesus paid a price because you are a sinner, but that's not where it ends. He died, the Bible says, and in verse number four, he was also buried. This is a part of the gospel, but he rose again the third day. He died and he got up over death he got up over hell, he got up over the grave and all this shows you is this. There is life after death. Amen. You better believe that you may die, but you're not going to get away from God. Some people believed I had a member of my distant family once, they believed that if they were cremated after they lived, that God couldn't find their remains and they would never have to answer to God in eternity. That's a lie. God will find you even if you're burned up. God will find you even if you drown in the deepest sea. After you die, then comes the judgment. And Peter also talked about that. Peter identifies the gospel in Acts chapter number 10 as well. If you would flip back to Acts chapter 10, we'll try to bring this to a close. Peter identified the gospel. He said that Christ was slew on a tree. Him they slew and hanged on a tree and God raised him up in verse number 40. And he also appeared before these people. Not only did he appear before Peter himself, but the resurrected Christ ate food with his disciples. That's a wonderful thing to think about. You know, after Jesus rose from the dead, he was cooking fish. Last week we had some wonderful fish. Some of it was caught by me personally. Others of it was caught by me at Sam's Club. I did it just the way. Jeffrey, if you ever go fishing with Brother Jeffrey, he'll get to the end of a boat and he goes like this. Fish! Come on, fish! Come on, fish! Classes. i would never gone to, to fishing with anybody who, who claps and then the fish would grab I'd Oh, man, this is great. And so I went to Sam's Club. We didn't have enough. We caught from the, from the boat. So I went to Sam's Club in the fish section and I went like this. Fish! Fish! I grabbed that fish out of there. Some of, some of you were like, man, does, does that dark looking fish come from that Lake Texoma? I said, well, no, I caught that at Sam's Club. That was good, wasn't it? But you know, when Jesus, who was resurrected, started making food, he put fish on the coals and he ate. He ate. He, he put it in his ministry and he allowed the disciples to, to partake of that fish too. He ate with people after he rose from the dead. You know, we're going to be eaten in glory too. Amen. Now, the scripture deals with this. Identifying the gospel in order to get saved, you have to receive it. Now, some of you are here today and you're not sure about all this. You're hearing about the gospel. But in order to get saved, you have to receive the gospel. The last point is you have to receive the gospel. John chapter 1 and verse number 12 says this, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It's one thing to hear the gospel. It's another thing to put your faith and trust and believe the gospel. The only way that you can go to heaven is by receiving the message of Christ. Yes, I believe that Jesus died for me. Yes, I believe that he's the only answer for my soul. I can't be forgiven without Jesus Christ and his shed blood. I want to be saved. That's You know when people get saved? When they get good and tired of being lost. You're not going to get saved unless you're tired of being lost. I want to tell you something. If you're so in love with this world and you're embracing the sins of this world and you're embracing all the things that this world can offer you, all I can tell you is that this world will leave you in an unfulfilled state. Jesus Christ is the only way that your soul will ever be satisfied. And in the matter of salvation, if you don't get saved, you're going to die destitute without Christ. And you're not going to go to heaven when you die. But Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus desires to save every man. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Even Cornelius, a Roman soldier, God sent Jesus to die for him. And Peter gets there, and he says, okay, I'm here to preach. You know, earlier in this passage, he had told this man, Cornelius, I've never even eaten with a Gentile before. I've never even been in a Gentile's home before. But now Peter's preaching a sermon to this guy. And God clearly saved Cornelius. Well, we may be able to get into that next week, how God saved Cornelius. But the question is today, are you saved? If you died right now, do you have assurance that you would go to heaven? I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is fully able to save you today if you're lost. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I've ever been saved. When we stand up in just a few seconds for the invitation, won't you just come? When you come down here, we'll have somebody work with you. If you need to be shown how you can be saved, listen, this is the grandest decision you could ever make in your life. A decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He is the only way that sins can be forgiven. You can't can't go to heaven any other way. You can't get forgiven of your sins any other way. It's only through Jesus Christ. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, we're preparing for a verse of invitation. If you would, please be respectful that God may be working in somebody's life today. And if you're a member of this church and you know the Lord, won't you pray for a lost sinner, for somebody who needs to be saved today? God may be needing to hear your voice. And if you're feeling that tugging in your heart, that, hey, I'm lost, I'm not saved. It's not, because, it's not because anybody's a great orator today, that's for sure. It's because Christ is calling for you to get saved. If you're not saved, I want you to come. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If God's working in your heart to get saved, we're inviting you to come. There could be somebody here today and you need to pray for a loved one want you to as brother John sings won't you respond Maybe somebody else here today, you've never been saved. God's working in your life. I want to encourage you to come. Maybe God's spoken to you about church memberships, about baptism. Maybe that's your story here today. Or maybe you have something going on in your family. Maybe you need to use the altar. Just respond to how the Lord will work in your life. Pray that you 've uh, sensed the presence of the Lord through the preaching of His word today, and want you to know the invitation's never closed if the lord 's working on you about salvation, what we encourage a lot of people to do is to go through some Bible studies to where you can see what the Bible says about uh, sin, about the Savior, about how to receive Christ by faith it 'll be a great decision for you to make. you know our church does Bible studies like this every week. we have people who are trained to do them. And uh, we want you to uh, understand if you need help and you want to do this salvation Bible study, whether it's to affirm whether or not you're saved or because you just want to learn more about the Bible, it'll be an investment of your time that is very, very worth it. And God can definitely deliver clarity to your heart. He doesn't want you to be in the dark about salvation. Amen. Now tonight, we're going to be back here tonight at 6 o'clock. We want to invite anybody here this morning if you'd like to come back for the evening service. Tonight we're going to be talking about how the Lord can even use our shortcomings and our failures and turn them into His glory. God is still in the business of using people who sometimes have failed and have failed terribly. But God, uh, God can turn things into good in your life. And so tonight at six o'clock we'll be dealing with that from the book of Ruth, chapter number four. Thank you for attending this morning. We're going to call on Brother Daniel Flores to dismiss the service in prayer, please. Praise so
1: much the